Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, this one, uh, this classic episode is for anyone in the audience tonight who is like us, a fan of Indiana Jones, the Ark of the Covenant. Where is it? Can you look at it? Et cetera, et cetera. According- Will it melt your face off? Right. Or is that the other thing? No, that was that was this one. No, that was the one. Yeah, yeah. According to... Uh, According to multiple sources, for quite some time, the Ark of the Covenant is around still today, and it is in a specific location, just maybe not where you might think if you're in the West. Is this the one about Aksum or something else? This this is the idea that the Church of Our Lady Mary of Zion in Ethiopia is home to the Ark of the Covenant. This is where we learn about the uh, the priestly class or cast the they're the only folks who are allowed to enter and view the art yes yes but but they'll talk to you in detail about it as long as you don't try to go in ah it's all coming back to me now and soon it'll be coming back to you right in your ears here we go from ufos to psychic powers and government conspiracies history is riddled with unexplained events you can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Noel is on an adventure somewhere. That's true. Uh, they call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Deccant. Most importantly, you are you and you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Let's get right into it. You want to? Yeah. Could we, Paul, could we get some some sweeping Spielberg-esque music? Yeah, for a certain, you know, character that likes to go spelunking sometimes and <laughs> other, other forms of treasure hunting. Yeah, I guess we should, uh, for legal reasons, call him Illinois Smith. Yep. Ah, okay. We, it's, we're, we're obviously huge fans of the Indiana Jones series, mm-hmm. which eh, has a bunch of problems. You know, the thuggy cult in Temple of Doom is vastly yeah. misrepresented. Uh, you know, I feel like you could listen to that music mm-hmm. and watch someone search for their keys in a couch or something, and it would feel just as epic as yes. you know, searching for treasure. Do you ever do that, Matt? When when you're doing a mundane task, do you ever put on sweeping cinematic music? No, I just, to myself, I'm like, oh. Where did I put Ryder's water bottle? Oh, don't sue us. <laughs> oh, that's that's a great idea. I I am guilty of playing soundtracks when I am on a mundane task to make it feel more like a mission, mm-hmm. something righteous, you know. Oh, totally. And today's episode concerns one of the biggest religious questions in modern history, the fate of something called the Ark 
of the covenant. Yes, a relic, an artifact, a highly important fixture, a physical fixture mm-hmm. uh, within the Christian and several other faiths. Yes, and older, obviously, than Christianity, but yes. older than I th- we initially suspected. In, yes. And a long time ago, you and I did a video together, a video episode on this. It was part of a series called Secret Places. Yep. Where, wherein we explored North Sentinel Island. Which oh, that's we, a good one. Yeah, I stand by that one, uh, which we have an update on that we'll save for the end of the show. And uh, wherein we explore the fate or the current location of the Ark of the Covenant, but maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's let's start at the beginning. Here are the facts, right? The facts about the Ark of the Covenant. We've mentioned that it is ancient, and I'm sure it's familiar to all of us, right? Now, conspiracy realists listening to this, regardless of what your spiritual or religious orientation is, you are familiar with the concept of the Ark of the Covenant. Due to the circumstances of my early days, I learned about the Ark of the Covenant through the Spielberg film, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's how you learned about it. That's how I learned about it. You know, I bet that's true for a lot of people because it, it it's hidden away kind of, not really, but a little bit within – popular culture until that movie comes out. There are a couple things that you could maybe point to. And it's also not a major part of this one book of the Bible, Exodus. Mm, Yes. And I defer to your knowledge of biblical text. You and Joe McCormick from Stuff to Blow Your Mind are my favorite people to, (laughs) to quiz about this literature. So, what exactly is the Ark of the Covenant, the actual thing, not the not the Spielberg thing? Well, the, the Ark of the Covenant is – it's a couple of things. The first thing it is is a container, this gilded or kind of golden – not kind of, golden uh, container that has a couple of uh, attributes to it that holds within it something very, very precious. Hmm. And that that is stone tablets that Moses – held forth that you might remember from some film or television series where he's standing on top of Mount Sinai and he's proclaiming that these, this is the word of God. These are the commandments that we must follow. Right. Thou shalt not kill. That's a big one. Right. The, the, the sins. Yeah. The do's and don'ts of how to be a righteous person. Correct. The real thing. Yeah. Not, not a metaphor. Not a some sort of strange analogy. Mm-hmm. This is a physical container that holds within it the tables of the law, the stone tablets that bear the word of God. Yes. Some of the oldest mm-hmm. maintained word of God <laughs> right. on stone. Right. And you can read various translations of these tablets and their construction in Exodus 34.1. Correct. So a year after Israelites leave Egypt. After the Exodus. After the Exodus, (laughs) yes. uh, The ark is created, according to the legend, uh, following the guidelines of a pattern that God gives to Moses when the Israelites are living at the foot of Mount Sinai. And thereafter, this this chest, it is it is gilded, as you said, Matt. It is gold plated, but it is a wooden chest, which is uh, the kind of wood it's made out of is typically translated as acacia wood, and it is carried like a palanquin. Yeah, like on yes. staves. Like exactly, there are, there are two staves, mm-hmm. staffs, whatever you want to call them. Staves mm-hmm. is probably the correct word, but they're wooden sticks essentially, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're very long, and so you can have at least two people on either side of it on their shoulders mm-hmm. carrying the thing, and it's usually portrayed as having cherubs on top of it, yes, or some kind of small winged 
angel creature that looks like um, a young child. Mm-hmm. Cherubim. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there, there's, you know, there are so many depictions of it, of what it possibly could lo- look like. We can't really give you an exact picture, but if you, you know, if you go online, you can see some of the circular stuff that a lot of times is depicted as being on the sides of it. Right. Um, and just, it's basically, it would basically be um, gold finishing work. Yes. Yeah. And these, these two figures, which we will examine in detail later in today's episode, they have their wings reaching out toward one another such that the wings form a seat of sorts. And this is called the mercy seat. And the belief is that God, Yahweh itself, sits at this seat and the ark is sort of functioning as a footstool. Yeah. And after its construction, when the Israelites are moving – or when there is a war occurring, this chest is carried 2,000 cubits, which today translates to about 2,600 feet or 800 meters for the entire rest of the world yeah. uh, in advance of, of the population. Yeah, the as, with a mass uh, – I don't want to use the word exodus. There, when there's mass migration <laughs> mm-hmm. with this group of people, mm-hmm. this thing goes at the front. Right. It's, it's almost like it's the word of God carrying them and taking them on the path. Yes, and it is a powerful artifact. It is not a passive thing in the stories. The Ark is so powerful, in fact, that it is always carried under a veil of skins and cloth. It can never touch the ground. Yeah. Pretty much no one can ever look at it. And God speaks directly to Moses in that space created by the two cherubim or angels that we mentioned earlier. It's like a portal, basically. Kind of. I don't mean to, you know, secularize it too much, but that's what it kind of functions as, is yeah. God's little portal. And you're, I, and I don't think you're being dismissive at all. No. Because a lot of the things that we see today in secular fiction descend from these ancient religious traditions and we're probably going to ruin several sci-fi films for you <laughs> along the way here because many of the depictions of artifacts in science fiction are essentially just retellings of this original story. So no one can look at it. God speaks to Moses directly through it. It can never touch the ground, and it is incredibly important. It is credited with parting the sea, right? Moses uses it to part the Red Sea. It it creates other miracles for the tribe, for Mm -hmm. the Israelite community. It also brings woe and misfortune upon those who do not treat it respectfully or who wrong it or attempt to use it. Yeah, definitely don't try to use it. For ungodly purposes. And according to the written tradition, the Ark is lost in a terrible, terrible battle with the Philistines, and the Philistines take it from the Israelites. And God punishes the Philistines with plagues, Mm -hmm. with sickness, illness, terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. And, you know, you're looking for a reason. Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that thing you went and put in the, the treasure room. Maybe the Israelites were correct. They say so eventually they return the ark to its original owners and the Israelites keep it at a place called Kiriath Jerem for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then King David, again, according to the story, takes the ark to Jerusalem. At first, it is housed in a tent, and then later, it is housed in King Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple. Yes. That's the big one. That's the one that uh, Freemasonry models all of its buildings after. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the most important buildings in history. Absolutely. From that point, until Jerusalem's destruction by the Babylonians, the ark disappears from the story. Yeah. Poof. From from the Bible. Yeah. Poof. Vanished. Gone. Yeah. It says here in the notes, uh, Kaiser Sose style. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were talking about that uh, off air a little bit. So that's a 
spoiler for Usual Suspects. Oh, yeah. Which is a great film. Yeah. I don't I don't think we spoiled that, did we? I think we have in the past, unfortunately. Ah, well. It's worth a rewatch. The hint is he's no longer employed by Netflix. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Shots fired, Matt. It's it's true on all these accounts. This mystery person is no longer employed by Netflix and <laughs> the arc vanishes from the narrative. And it's it's a strange it's a strange absence. Yeah. Because it plays such an important role, this artifact, in the story of the people of Israel. So like many physical things, places and artifacts and people even described in ancient text, experts today are still debating over whether or not it's real. And this is a this is a thing that pops up pretty often. Is King Arthur real? Yeah. Tell us about Excalibur. What happened to Noah's Ark? Is it really in Turkey? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And one of the things that we find as we look into subjects such as this is that there usually is something genuine there. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the stories around it have been embellished and, you know, grown beyond, well beyond themselves over mm -hmm. time. But usually there is something there if it's recorded in at least two or three places. True, true. And especially if they are independently written. Yes. By which, we, by which we mean those two or three sources are not rephrasings of the original yeah, source. Yeah, correct. And now we get to the question with the Ark of the Covenant. This is fascinating because unlike some other ancient artifacts, there does appear to be a genuine physical Thing and oh man, I I can't wait until we get into the really cool stuff. We have to do the background first, but yeah. let's talk about what could be proven about the ark as a physical artifact. So we'll put to the side the the claims of the extraordinary power of the ark, just as a physical artifact. Is there an actual thing? According to Baruch Halpern, who is a professor of ancient history, classics, and ancient Mediterranean studies at Penn State as well as religious studies, according to him, there is a thing. Because from his perspective, he's a very well-read expert, the references to the Ark throughout the religious text are consistent and do not change or vary over translation. And this means that whatever the original purpose of this artifact was, whatever its actual origin story is, he believes there is a genuine, real, physical thing. Not a metaphor. Yeah. Not some sort of symbol that people talk about. You can't look inside yourself and find your own Ark of the Covenant. You, you can't have yeah. that young adult novel moment where you're like, oh, it was me the whole time. No, <laughs> this is a real thing. It's yeah. a real thing you can hold and you shouldn't look at. Yeah, so w whatever it is, it was genuinely taken by the Philistines and then mm -hmm. genuinely given back. And it was it genuinely had something in it probably. Mm -hmm. And it's it exists. It existed. And yet here's one of the biggest problems, Ben. Mm. It is so stinking old. Right. And it was made of wood. Well, gold-plated wood. Right, right. Uh, yes, that's a question that incorporates some hard science. Yeah. How long does a wooden construct last? Yeah. It's that's dependent upon numerous environmental factors. Exactly. Where has this thing been? Right. And where is it now if it's still around? And how old is it yeah. actually? Because according to various scholars, this physical thing, again, this very real container, this artifact, is so ancient that it may predate Judaism entirely, which sounds crazy. Older than Abraham himself? Right. That, that's, that's the idea because the various biblical stories of the ark may all contain echoes of pre-Judaic religious practices. Holy moly. You'll see some people calling them ancient cults. And it's very difficult to untangle the layers of history and myth that have been added to this story in the great 
millennia-old game of telephone that is written in oral tradition. But we, we don't want to let anybody feel as if it is impossible to find the Ark. We hunted down some rumored locations, places where, according to various people, you can find the Ark today in 2018. Again, don't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and don't look at it when we come right back from a word for our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and we're back matt you found a number of places where people claim the ark exists yeah, um, this I got some information from io9 that had an article that just kind of had a list. It's a list article. Mm-hmm. But then there are a couple other places that have been mentioned just throughout time and rumors that have existed. So let's just go through a couple of these really quickly. And then later on, we can expound a lot further on these. You so, know the one I'm excited about. Oh, I, I do. <laughs> yeah. So one of the first places, and this one's a bit of a softball, it's uh, a Catholic church. It's the Cathedral of Our Lady of Chart in France, and that's in Chart, France, mm-hmm. uh, C-H-A-R-T-R-E-S. It's a really interesting place. It's a World Heritage Site. Um, it's it's a very Gothic church, like a, uh, in this case, French Gothic church. So it's got those jagged lines with the steeples mm-hmm. heading up into the sky. Um, it's, it's got, you know, it's the things that you would see if you were looking at a, a very old cathedral. It's got the flying buttresses and uh, <laughs> it, it's really, 
I don't know. It's it's very cool. It's built in like 1100, 1190, no, 1194 is when it was constructed. That's when it began. Um, so, you know, perhaps this is one of the places where the Ark ended up. Due to the cathedral's association with the Knights Templar. Correct. Another group that we, have we done a Knights of Templar episode? We are far overdue for that Jeez. one. We okay. absolutely should. That's happening. It's a another chance to reference Indiana Jones, to be completely candid. <laughs> so the uh, one of the reasons that people historically believed that the actual art could be located at this cathedral is because of the Knights Templar involvement and a carving at the cathedral depicting the art itself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's kind of shaky ground to go on. Yeah, the story here comes from a 20th century French author that said the original nine members of the Knight Templar discovered the Ark early on in the Templar's history while they were digging under the Temple Mount in search of treasure and secret things. Yeah, this is during the Crusades too where there's lots of slaughter and lots of plundering. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And that's not the only place there's also a pretty strong tradition or folkloric narrative that argues the Ark of the Covenant or an Ark of the Covenant, we'll explain that later, exists with the Lemba tribe in southern Africa in Zimbabwe. The Lemba tribe may sound familiar to some of us because this tribe has Jewish roots, genetic testing confirms the traditional beliefs of this community. They have they've always said that they have these roots, that they are of the people of Israel. And for a long time, there were various other forces and institutions that felt this was entirely a legend. Yeah. But but it's really interesting because there is an Ark of the Covenant that exists, that the Lemba tribe has. And there's this place called the Museum of Human Science in Zimbabwe. And uh, the the group claims that this this, um, Ark that they have is a replica. Mm -hmm. Like it's not the actual Ark. Mm -hmm. Except that it's built from the remnants of what the Ark became after all of these thousands of years. And the forces of decay upon the wood. Mm -hmm. And the argument is that this Ark does contain, again, those physical stone tablets. Yeah, it's just the wooden part is a recreation, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then people say, no, you fools. <laughs> of course, it is located in modern-day Israel. Oh, yeah. That, that's a thing. Um, that's been a rumor for a long time. And it's essentially, well, there are a couple of places where it might be. One of them is deep within tunnels, the mm-hmm. underground, basically, of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. that there's some secret chambers that exist where where artifacts such as the Ark of the Covenant are kept. Right. And I believe you were telling me off air that one of the locations is beneath a, a lake? Uh, yeah. Well, this one is – it's a slightly different version of this because it's, it's very close. Um, it's, it's Israel's largest freshwater lake, Lake Tiberias. Mm-hmm. And – it's, it's supposedly just at the bottom of this lake, and it's inaccessible at this point. Right, which we see as a common theme yeah. for a lot of these rumored locations. There's another rumored location, subterranean location rather, in modern-day Jordan, a secret cave or mountain known to a select few, right? Yeah. People, people who are tasked to guard the ark. That's another thing we see. Mm-hmm. It's a very consistent thing. Throughout the narratives, the, from the first mention of the Ark to the modern-day mentions, it always has a, an elite guard of some sort. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of an elite guard, sometimes yeah. it's not a physical elite guard. It's a curse of some sort because for a long time it was thought that perhaps King Tut's tomb, for some reason, mm-hmm. not sure why – uh, contained in one of these secret chambers that was purported to exist, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is up until around this year, 
I think May of this year or a little before that, there was some extensive scientific testing of King Tutankhamun's tomb that essentially proved, no, there are no super secret, hidden, awesome treasure chambers, sadly. In that particular tomb? Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yes, stick I agree. with that one. I agree. It's interesting because the stories about the tomb and the legends of the curse and the idea that it is a repository for arcane, secret, valuable things, a lot, a lot of these legends spring up when – Egyptology is experiencing its Western renaissance. Yeah. You know, and there are a ton of British people saying, ah, yeah, it's there. Whatever it is. What did you say? Did you say, did you say the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. The, yeah, King Tut, man. Oh, King Tut. For That's real? where it is. Yeah. All yeah. right. Boy King, right? Cool, man. He's got all the stuff. <laughs> and that has been our completely accurate reenactment of Egyptology in Britain. (laughs) So that one has been disproven primarily through the use of modern technology. Yes, at least as you're saying in that particular King Tut's tomb. If there maybe (laughs) King Tut had multiple tombs, you know, he was an enterprising guy. You never know. Well, the Valley of the Kings is home to many mysteries still. Mm -hmm. And it would be wonderful to visit one day, right? Can we? I think, you know what? If Paul is in, I'm going to go. Okay. Oh, he said no. He said no? Yeah, he said no. Hang on. Let me. Uh, I just got daggers. Go. Oh, I got a shrug. Oh, okay. Shrug's Maybe. a little better. All right. Well, write to us and let us know if you have explored this area of Egypt. We want to hear your experiences. And while we're waiting to hear from you, we're getting to the crux of today's question. We've done a a very high-level look at the history of the Ark of the Covenant, the various claims by differing experts about what it actually was, and the various claims about where it might be. And that leads us to the question, where is the Ark of the Covenant today? And we'll take a different trip, this time to Ethiopia, after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent. 
telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. Oh, that's the stuff. <laughs> oh, watching the watching the videos really brought it back. We are traveling to northern Ethiopia. Come with us on this journey of the mind. We are going to Aksum. Uh, some of some of us who have researched ancient African history in the past will be familiar with this name, spelled A-X-U-M. It's something that was written out of a lot of Western history books, but Aksum was a very powerful kingdom that was founded around 400 BCE. And the city in modern-day Ethiopia, Aksum, is the former capital of this ancient kingdom. And it is replete with cultural and architectural history. And along with that come legends. One legend is that the Queen of Sheba herself lived in this city. And while you can go back and forth about the historicity or that's the that's the fancy word for the accuracy of mm-hmm. of these claims uh we can say that in the modern day UNESCO recognizes these locations these sites these constructs and buildings as world heritage sites so whether or not all the legends are true everyone can agree that this is eldritch stuff oh yeah and there are some incredible ruins that you can find um, in in Oxum, in modern-day Oxum. And it's just – I mean, it's so cool. Everything from obelisks to entire uh, just – I don't know what you would call it. Just a lot of standing stones, mm-hmm. a lot of places where there are large uh, parts of stone walls and buildings that are – that remain. But it's just – it is ruins. But it is just so cool to see. I have used so many pictures of this place over the course of stuff they don't want you to know as <laughs> as yes. like stock footage mm-hmm. um, just because it is fascinating looking. It's, it's very, very cool. Yeah. And in this city, there is a church. It's called the Chapel of the Tablet. It's part of the Church of Our Lady Mary of Zion. The Chapel of the Tablet, just if you're a casual passerby, looks like an old building. It's not huge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's clearly, clearly ancient, but it's something that you might not look at twice as, as you're strolling through this city that is filled to the brim with ancient wonders. Absolutely. But this church has a particular claim to fame and importance in Ethiopia, in the world at large, and across the Abrahamic religions. It is the home of the actual Ark of the Covenant, or so they claim. Well, here's the deal. There is only one human being that can see this, and it's not you, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, it might be it might be one of us if you happen to be listening. If you're this one person and you happen to be uh, a fan of stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> you lonely one person with such a burden to bear. Thank you for listening to the show and for taking care of the Ark of the Covenant. That's right. There is a single guardian yeah. appointed for life to protect the Ark of the Covenant and they are not allowed to leave the bounds of the temple. They're also always male. They are the only person allowed to view this artifact. And it's a lineal thing too. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lineage to it because you, as the guardian, you continue protecting and protecting and staying in this place and protecting and protecting. And then you eventually start to die. And when you're on your deathbed and you're laying there taking your last breaths, you have to choose somebody. Or maybe not in that moment, but you have to choose the next guardian. Mm-hmm. And then that person has to stay in that place forever. Yes. For until their death, they have to yep. stay. So according to the story, this is where the Ark of the Covenant ends up uh, due to the actions of an Ethiopian prince. According to the Aksumite Christians, the Ark of the Covenant is first brought to Ethiopia during the reign of King Solomon. And the Queen of Sheba travels to meet Solomon and has a child with him named Menlik. And this is the guy who reputedly takes the ark. So that's, according to this version of events, that's how it ends up here. And it's still around. It hasn't decayed. Yeah. Uh, The story is essentially that because they had this child, at some point the Queen of Sheba travels to meet uh, or for travels to see Solomon with the child so that they can actually meet the father and the son. Uh, and then when they return back to, to um, where they are in Ethiopia, they, they take it with them. Ah, I see. Which is an interesting story plot-wise because yeah. this is one of the most powerful artifacts that Solomon possesses, right? And perhaps it's keep it hidden, keep it safe kind of thing? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. It's just strange that he would give this away, if if he consensually gave it away. It's a gift to his son. There we go. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Despite the official stance that only the guardian of the Ark may gaze upon this artifact, over the years, several other people have claimed that they also happened to see it, one of whom was a former administrator of the church. Here's the thing, though. So it's, it's... one person typically looking at it and a couple of other people for one reason or another have been able to gaze upon it or glance at it, their descriptions all match, just like the descriptions in ancient Judaic text. Everyone is looking at the same physical thing. And the description, furthermore, of this ark based in Ethiopia largely jibe with the descriptions of the container mentioned in Exodus, Exodus 25, verses 10 through 22. Do you mind if I just go through here and read the the Niv version? Yeah, please do. Please do. And could we bring back the music? Okay. Ooh, that sounds fun. All right, here we go. So this is Exodus 25, 10 through 22, New International Version of the Bible. Have them make an ark of acacia wood two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet, with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. It feels very... um, um, putting together a piece of furniture kind of thing. I guess that's kind of what it is. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. Ben, do you want to continue? Well, thank you, Matt. I would love to. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There, above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant Law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Ah, <sighs> You know, it's very specific. So specific. It reads like assembly instructions. Yeah. Which it is. Yeah. 
It is. It, but it, twice it's said, hey, look, seriously, put the put the tablets in there, okay? We got that? All right, I'm going to keep going. Okay, put the tablets in there. You got this? But then that last bit of I will meet you and give you all my commands for the Israelites at the end. Yeah. In yeah. between those wings. And the specificity here is crucial to this story yeah. because it gives us in the modern day – a very, very good profile of what to look for. What is the ark? But it also gives anyone who is anyone instructions on how to make an ark. Yes. So yeah. if you want to make an re a recreation, you could make it to a T. <laughs> like seriously, at, at any point in history, you could age it. If, let's say you made it in the 1600s. You could make an ark then and then – it would look so aged at this point, unless you had someone come in and actually do testing on the wood, it would be difficult to prove, you know, that it's some not some miraculous ancient thing. Right. That's that's a really good point. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like gotcha, man. Come on. I've got my hands up on that one because it is, it is true. The specificity is a sword that swings both ways cognitively and mm -hmm. makes it difficult for people who are attempting to track down the actual location of the physical art. This is the stuff they don't want you to know about it. Which which of the claimed arts is a replica, which is the real deal? And the most important aspect of the Ark that would separate it from a replica is going to be that it can – the true Ark contains these two tablets. Yes. Two tablets made of stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That uh, are stone. <laughs> that <laughs> you could see. chisel if you really wanted uh, to. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You're on fire today. That's I'm true. Just, I'm just No, saying, it's a really man. good point. It's a really good point. So – then if that doesn't work as the indicator of the true arc, the last thing we are left with is God or the ability of the arc to do extraordinary supernatural things. Miraculous things would probably be a better word in this context. So except no substitutions, the yeah. true arc of the covenant is occupied by God, right? Sitting there on the mercy seat the ark is a footstool talking to Moses mm -hmm. or in this case talking to the single guardian there at that church in Axel. And you, you got to ask yourself, what is this guardian doing with all the information that he's getting? Right. Is he like one of the most powerful men on earth or perhaps the most? Or does the guardian only guard it and never really ah. gaze upon it? See, this is what we need. We need to have uh, – a team of people who are willing to look into the ark and try and use it mm. to see whether or not faces melt uh, and, you know, anything bad happens to those people. Mm. That's how we begin testing all of these various arcs. And we haven't – we have yet to talk about the idea that the ark is a piece of anachronistically sophisticated technology. Oh, that's the, the theories idea. about that? Oh, man. That's almost a different episode, isn't it? Really it really is. Maybe we should do that for a different episode. But let me just tell you right now, mm. my favorite one personally is that it was some form of radioactive either material or weapon mm. or something that was very, very bad that you should not ever open uh, because there's nuclear or radioactive energy in there. Right, which sounds as if it would be something straight out of science fiction. Mm -hmm. However, I believe a few years ago, you and I were both startled to discover that ancient nuclear reactors did exist. In a in a technical, in a sense. technical sense. Oh, just let me have this. <laughs> I know you got it's it. You so got cool. it. You got it, man. It's okay. They're not, as far as we know, they're not man-made. Yeah. But there are on the African continent in modern-day Gabon, I want to say, mm -hmm. there are clear indications that there were three naturally occurring nuclear reactors. But if you look at ancient Indian texts, mm -hmm. perhaps you may believe that there was an ancient war of some kind with flying machines and weapons that could light up the sky and turn uh, deserts to glass. And maybe mm -hmm. it's a remnant of that war. Right. And furthermore, 
as insane as some of this sounds, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole. Uh, please come with us <laughs> or send help. Uh, as insane as this stuff sounds, the fact of the matter is that human beings are extraordinarily bad at holding on to stuff over time. We've lost people and thought they were fictional to find out they were real. We've lost cities and thought they were legends or pure acts of symbolism only to later find out they are real. And we have lost entire civilizations. We have done that. Yep. Yay, humans. Now, is it is it probable that there is ancient sophisticated technology that was somehow lost? Yeah, it's only probable because we have found or rediscovered ancient technologies, but we haven't found anything like a spaceship. They're, they're usually going to be something like Greek fire or Damascus steel. You know what I mean? They're, they're more techniques yeah, and, and uh, unique mixes of chemicals. But it would be really cool to find an ancient aircraft. P- please? Please? See, see one Prometheus? Of, <laughs> and one of the arguments against that is that if something like that – first off, the argument is no, <laughs> you're crazy. That would never happen because we would have heard more about it. And then the second argument is – oh, even if someone somehow did something like that, it would have decayed Yeah, due to the vast span of time and the chasm between the ancient world and the modern day. But that brings us back to your original point, which I love, about a gilded wooden artifact. How could it be intact for so long? This question leads many scholars to assume that the object within the church in Ethiopia is itself a replica. Call it a forgery. Call it a replica. I think forgery has some negative connotations, so let's just say replica. But they think the ark or the artifact in that church, while being a replica, is a very old one. Yeah. It wasn't made in 1970 or something, right? And this is a believable claim because the forgery of holy objects, relics of saints, pieces of the true cross and so on are historically quite common. Yeah. There, I cannot remember who said it, but there is a great quotation uh, wherein someone says – they're, they're shown a piece of the quote-unquote true cross. The one that held Jesus? Right, upon which Jesus Christ was crucified. Uh, and they, they say, you know, I've seen so many of these. They're enough to make a forest. Wow. How big is this cross, right? And while that is true, while counterfeit relics and artifacts are ubiquitous in the ancient world – that doesn't prove or disprove the church's claims. It's just something that's important for us to know. And, of course, not everyone agrees, spoiler alert, that this is the actual Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people like Ron Wyatt who claim to have discovered the Ark for themselves. Uh, Wyatt specifically claims that he discovered it in Jerusalem. And now we get to the case of Zimbabwe where the Lemba people who we mentioned earlier claim to have once in the past possessed the original Ark and reconstructed it. According to their traditions, the original container was destroyed, and so the Lemba, following the word of God, created a new container called the Ngoma Lungondu for these holy stone tablets. That translates, Ngoma Lungondu translates to the drum that thunders. Ooh. I know. What an amazing name, right? Yeah. And this container fits our criteria for the true Ark in that it contains those stone tablets and reputedly has extraordinary powers or capabilities. However, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Matt, big problem is people can look at this. Yeah. You look directly at it. No no consequence whatsoever. Maybe it's – I mean we're being a bit glib with this. According to the legends, you're not supposed to look at the container out of respect. It's opening it that presents the problem, right? Yeah. So 
our big buzzkill for this is that other people claim the Ark was real, did exist, and is not around today, is not extant because the Babylonians destroyed it. So these are our options. The Ark does exist, was destroyed, or was destroyed and then recreated to contain these these tablets, or it exists in any number of, coincidentally, inaccessible places. Like the Vatican archives? I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> now, this is just... I, I did not read this anywhere. This just is just something that came to mind. If you were going to safely store an ancient artifact such as this, a relic, you might want to do it at the Vatican archives because they've got some technology going on there to really protect things like this. <laughs> and it would make a whole lot of sense if this is where it ended up. Um, if you like, think about it, it could, I don't know. It, it would be safe for it to be there and it would be relatively unknown because there are, the Vatican archives are very difficult to gain access to. And if you do gain access, you don't get to see everything. And it's so – oh, man. The whole process of accessing the Vatican archives is strange. Mm -hmm. So there are parts of – there are parts of the archives wherein you have to go there in person and you are allowed to – read a restricted work or view a sacred object but you're you're not allowed to say hey so what stuff do you have here yeah what's the where's the directory you have to know you have to know exactly what you're looking for which is such an effective way to prevent the curious from casually investigating things uh hi excuse me i'm looking for the ark of the covenant Oh, yeah, so come right this way. I'll show you where it is. <laughs> Sorry, that was that terrible. That was perfect. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. And that was the Pope, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a papa. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, from 9.30 a.m. to about 4.30 p.m. Vatican time, mm -hmm. uh, you can just swing by and speak to His Holiness Himself. It's It's kind of like a bookstore. <laughs> we are absolutely kidding. We're joking. So sorry. That, that is not meant to <laughs> offend anyone. I don't think anyone. so. I think, I think the Pope himself would find it funny. I, I think at any time you have to be able to poke fun a little bit at very, very powerful people. Just a tiny bit just to make everything else feel okay. No matter what your beliefs are. If it's super powerful, you just got to go, you know what? It's okay. We right. Can, we can be silly. Well – the question holds, though, the recreation that, that you depicted, Matt, it still holds up because it leads us to another question. If this were in the archives, wouldn't someone have talked about it yeah. at some point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And wouldn't it – Would okay. If you're a major institution like that, rather than just protect it, why wouldn't you have it in a protected place – Right. Um, you know, where it could be displayed for tourists. Can you imagine the tourism dollars you could get out of that mm -hmm. Vatican church and Vatican bank? Or, you know, probably more importantly for that institution, can you imagine the validity yes. it gives to adherents, to believers, to practitioners? People would come from across the world. The just conversion for, ratio for that? Yeah, just for a chance to view it. Why would it be a secret? Uh, um, a poor example of this would be the constitutions of various countries, many mm -hmm. of which are on display. And they, in a secular sense, are sacred objects, mm -hmm. right? The foundation of various nations. Uh, but the states that function under these constitutions and these declarations and so on, they want people to see them. They, they have lines out the door yeah. for people to go look at these things. So it's... It's an interesting conundrum because if the Ark is stored somewhere and someone knows about it, then why is it a secret? Yeah. It's a great question. In 2009, the patriarch of the Ethiopian church had planned to publicly display it, display the Ark of the Covenant that is based there in Axum. However, this may have been a rumor. The claim was quickly withdrawn and the church said the original reports were disinformation, attempting, it was implied, to pressure the church to allow at least photographs of the Ark to be disseminated. There's another question that you may have been wondering about 
as we were exploring this story, could there be multiple arcs? Well, yeah. At this point, we can say there are at least two. Right? Yeah. The Limba arc, right? And the drum that thunders. Mm-hmm. And then this original arc. At least two. At least two. And that's if all the stories that's, – that's if the Limba narrative and the ancient Judaic narrative are both correct. Yes. But it turns out there are references in other ancient texts of similar containers used to transport sacred relics. There's an author named Thomas Romer who created a book called The Invention of God. And Romer writes that throughout the Levant, it was common for pre-Islamic Bedouins and Arab communities to carry holy chests that contained two sacred stones or the statues of two gods. And that later, after the rise of Islam, these statues were replaced by copies of the Quran. Oh, wow. And even stranger, this is something that I don't think either of us expected to find, Matt. Even stranger, the Ark may have originally contained two statues, one representing Yahweh and one representing Asherah. I don't know. I don't know Asherah. Asherah, according to this folkloric research, was the divine consort of the god Yahweh. Aha. So if we're trying to be buzzfeedy about it and make a headline, God's wife. Pretty strange stuff. Yeah, definitely. So that's where we leave it for now. We are going to return with an episode on the claims of ancient technology, perhaps, associated with the Ark, to which we can add other historical anachronistic objects, such as the Antikythera mechanism. Dude, so it sounds like we need to start just traveling the world trying to prove whether or not this thing exists because I don't think we can do it from here. We got to actually get in these rooms, tackle the guardians and be like, I'm opening this thing. And we can only do this with your help. Uh Oh, no, no, no. Wait, don't don't (laughs) tackle any guardians. Don't – please don't do that. I'm I'm totally joking. Yes. Uh, But we do need you to go explore the world for us if if that's okay. And let us know if you have been to one of the places that we mentioned in this episode. Let us know what your take is on the art. Now, we're pretty careful to separate our opinions from our research. In every episode of every show we do, and in this case, I'll I'll put my opinion out there. I believe it was a real historical object. Yeah. Yeah. The descriptions are consistent enough. Now, what did it do? What was really inside? How many instances or iterations or versions of this thing exist? Those are questions that I, I don't have the answers to. However, there clearly was a physical thing and yeah. may still be a physical thing out there. Yeah. I tend to agree with you. Yeah. I think the physical thing, though, if it did exist, mm-hmm. it would go the way of the the limbo one where it was like broken down into almost nothing mm-hmm. and then it was recreated into a new version of itself. And that also – that makes me wonder – about the old ship of thesis problem. You remember oh. that one? Ship of thesis. Yeah, the ship of thesis. It's a, uh, it's a thought experiment. Okay. And it's baffling. So the idea is, the idea is this. Let's take a ship and say that over the course of the ship's existence, it is repaired and pieces of it are replaced. Okay. And sure. eventually, the ship is made of entirely new materials. None of the original ship exists. It's just been slowly and completely repaired and replaced. Is it the same ship? In this case, is the Ark the same Ark? Is any human being the same human as we (sighs) we constantly lose and replace ourselves? That's true. That's true. These are huge questions. We want to hear we want to hear your take. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. As always, thank you to our super producer, Paul Deccant. Thank you to the guardians of the Ark, whomever they may be and wherever they are located. And thank you, Matt, 
for for hanging out here. I can't believe we went the whole episode and only did a few tasteful Indiana Jones references. Yeah. At the I, very top. We got through it. Well, we did some tasteful full references. Then we read the Bible Indiana Jones style. Okay. Yeah, we did do that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's <laughs> that's our cue. <laughs> that's our cue to call it a day. This concludes our episode, but not our show. We will be back very soon with more strange and fascinating stuff they don't want you to know. In the meantime, you can find Matt, Noel, Paul, and myself on the internet. We're all over the place. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We'd love to see you over at our community page. Here's where it gets crazy, where we're getting a lot of stuff. And there's actually, I don't know if you saw this, Matt. Uh, there's a guy who I've just decided to never reply to. Oh, really? With anything other than the phrase, in all caps, all hail the king of toast. Oh, I saw that. I just saw that. It was right before we came in here. Yeah, I'm going to take this. I'm going to run with it. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we are active on the page, and we would like to hear from the most important part of every show we do, which is you, specifically you. If none of that really... And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.